Hello everyone, Danny here from Memphis Type History, the podcast. You'll notice that Rebecca sounds a little different this week. We actually had some technical difficulties. It's still a very entertaining episode that we hope you'll enjoy despite the audio issues. We just ask that you please bear with us. Without further ado, here's Caitlin and Rebecca. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Rebecca. We're not from Memphis, but we love it. Welcome to Memphis Type History, the podcast. Today on Memphis Type History, the podcast, we're going to discuss a fun little topic, Memphis street history. Probably won't be our first and last time to discuss it, I think, because a lot of the streets in Memphis have really fascinating histories behind them. Today, Rebecca's going to talk about Sam Cooper Boulevard. Thanks to Brenda Wilkerson. That's her name? Yeah. Shout out to Brenda. Thanks to Brenda Wilkerson uh, for digging up this history for us on our blog. Brenda's fantastic. She has several posts on our blog, actually, with Memphis Street History and a lot of other cool off-the-beaten-path kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And today, me, Caitlin, I'm going to talk about Barbaro Alley. I like it. So, Rebecca, are you ready to hear about Barbaro Alley? Of course I am. Have you ever been in Barbaro Alley? I do believe I have, but not since after you dug up some history on that one for the Red Ball Project. Yeah, I originally wrote a post on our blog about Barbaro Alley because the Red Ball Project was in town and they were set up inside it. And if you want to understand what that means, you can go to MemphisTypeHistory.com and see a picture on that post. Try to remember to throw that link in the show notes for you. Yeah, and really, I'd like to warn you not to walk down it anyway because of its history. It looks charming from the outside. It's got the old-fashioned stone walkway. You walk between walls of peeling paint and rusty iron. It feels like you're back in another century to be in Barbro Alley. <laughs> what size is this? Like, Is it a long walk? Short walk? It's a pretty good-sized alley. Okay. It goes between... Front Street, and I guess, is it Riverside, right behind Front Street, right? Uh-huh. It is off Front Street. Yeah. It's right next to a farmhouse. Yes. And it's, uh, it's a nice little alley. You really feel like you're back in time. It's a fairly nice, long little alley. Some of them are a lot shorter, I think. But this one's good. It's like the length of that whole block of buildings. Hmm. In past centuries, though, you probably would not have had a pleasant stroll through Barbaro Alley like you would have today. Really? What is that? Because it was known as Dead Man's Alley. <laughs> that doesn't sound so good. No. So in the 1800s, this alleyway ran between the city morgues. The city morgues? Yeah, the city morgues. So shout out to Farmhouse, who might have their offices in an old morgue. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm not really sure, for sure, but possibly. All right. So the Undertakers, J. Hinton and Sons, and T.J. Collins were located on each side of Dead Man's Alley. And the bodies, the dead bodies, were transported in horse-drawn carriages over the cobblestone streets in Dead Man's Alley. Rumor has it that bodies were kept in the alley itself during the yellow fever epidemic of 1878. Mm. Yeah, so it might have even been stacked with bodies. Oh, wow. Blech. Unfortunately, we can't provide a visual of that on the show notes. Nope, nor do we want to. Mm -mm. 
All right. By the late 19th century, though, the passage became known as Barbaro Alley, named after Anthony Sebastian Barbaro, who was a well-known Italian immigrant and produce wholesaler who opened his company there, and it was called A.S. Barbaro and Company. So it got renamed after him. Was he honored by that, or was he like, I just got named after, or I used to be Dead Man's Alley? I have not found anything with his thoughts on the matter. Okay. But I bet he was pleased. If we could go back in time, what do you think he would think of that? I don't know. I mean... Like, I'm so honored. Or, you're giving me that, Alan? Well, here, like, the timeline is a little bit confusing, actually, now that we're talking about when it was named. Because it says it became known as Barbara Alley in the late 19th century. But when he got there... I think it was probably still known as Dead Man's Alley because he got yellow fever in 1873 and then five years afterward, he converted the Barbaro building at 95 South Main into a clinic. Oh. And cots were lining, like, lined the floors of the basement and on the second story. Okay, so that's actually really appropriate. Yeah, but his shop was at 345 South Main. Okay. I think at some point, I wonder... Like, at some point when he was involved in working or, like, having his building at the alley, it was probably still known as Demons Alley because there's still, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe the rumors of the bodies being stacked there really have nothing to do with the city morgue. I don't know. I'm not really sure about that. And I don't know when it was. Yeah. And I don't know when it was officially named Barbara Alley. And maybe it just became known as that. And now that's what it is. But if we were to go back in time, Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe if there's, like, an official ceremony... And it was, like, really officially named. I mean, why wouldn't you be honored? Yeah, I'd still take it. But then if it just became known as your alley, like, maybe that's actually even better because you kind of made that happen. It wasn't official. Like, you were just so well-known that you got a street named after you by everybody instead of just the government. Right. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it was – I think it's appropriate. (laughs) All right, so – uh, the A.S. Barbo and Company capitalized after many successful years in business, um, but they did stay on there until 1920. Uh, and then the company built a huge building over at the bottom of Pontotoc Avenue and continued the whole, really? whole, yeah, they continued the wholesale produce trade from there. That's a good distance. Yeah. Um, in 1901, the building now known as the Lofts at Union Alley was built. So we're filling out the rest of this area. Yeah. In 1994, the Blue Light Studio moved into this building from its original location on Beale Street. That's just a fun fact. And this is the studio. What's the Blue Light Studio? This is the studio that photographed Elvis. Oh, like a glamour shot kind of? Yeah, they did glamour shots. And it also figures prominently in many folks' memories of downtown Memphis from a few decades ago. So, you know the chapter on downtown in our book? Yes, Vicki Jackson yeah. talked about this at a photography place. Yep. It made her look special. Yeah, one in the same. She She's a fine dame already, but she talked about how she got fixed up for that photo yeah. shoot. So, uh, <laughs> just a fun connection there, I thought. Uh-huh. Yeah, so last little bit, a little bit mm-hmm. of rumor about the building. Rumor has it, that this building was once an ice house and the cork insulation and refrigeration system are still inside. I mean, I haven't been in to like see if that's true, but I heard that rumor during the Red Ball Project. That it was an ice house? Yeah, that that building used to be the ice house. So like that's where 
if I guess you would come pick up your ice or it would get delivered to you before people had freezers. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And apparently you can still find the insulation and the refrigeration system in there. But I haven't like gone exploring in the building to see, but I got told that rumor. Hmm. So I say it's a rumor because I don't have it. I did not verify it through another source. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. So, yeah. All right. Well, that is a little bit of history about an alleyway in Memphis that many of you have probably been down. And I encourage you to go walk down. It's a nice little alley. Okay. Well, I picked Sam Cooper to talk about. Whoop, whoop. I've spent many an hour on that road commuting. Yes. And for some reason, when I said, I'll take Sam Cooper, in my head, I was thinking of Cooper. Because there is also a street named Cooper, which is right by my house. Ah. So I did, just out for fun... I went on the cooperyoung.com site, and I found a little fun facts from there that I liked that I wanted to go ahead and share. About Cooper Street, not Sam Cooper. About Cooper Street, and then I'll move on to Sam Cooper. Okay. So, fun facts that you can find on cooperyoung.com, which will tell you information about Cooper Street, is 1848, William Cooper purchases 577 acres of land in rural Shelby County, and establishes Cooper Street as the main thoroughfare. So that's 1848. That's a long time ago. Yeah. In 1894, the first streetcar begins regular runs down Cooper Street and Young Avenue. Oh. And I think we do have a picture of the streetcar rails. Yeah. On that intersection, come to think of it. Yeah, I think so. In our book, I think. Mm-hmm. 1917, the fifth Piggly Wiggly store opens in the neighborhood. And I'm a big fan of Piggly Wiggly. You know your neighborhood has made it when the Piggly Wiggly opens. Yeah. I mean, not now, but like back then. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and it was the fifth one. Uh, 1925, the Peabody Theater at the corner of Cooper and Nelson opened to rave reviews, uh, which I think would be interesting to know where that neighborhood theater would be. P- you said where? P- hmm? Peabody Theater where? On the corner of Cooper and Nelson. I'm trying to think of what's there now. That is Soulfish. Yeah. You lived in that area, didn't you? Yeah, I lived on Evelyn. And I think when we walked to Soulfish, we walked down and down a block because south. And that would be Soulfish. So I think that... So either that side or across the street. I can't think of what's across the street. Oh, yeah. What's across uh, that? I can't think. I think it's just one of those office buildings. I don't think yeah. it's... Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll run down there and take a picture. And the last one that I picked up was 1951. Johnny Cash records his first record in the basement of the old Galloway Church at 1015 South Cooper Street. Yeah, that church is still there. And I do know what that looks like. Yeah. Uh huh. I hit a 901 rock there of Johnny Cash's face painted on a rock. So that's that church. Cool. So then, so, okay. So then I was like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to look at Sam Cooper, <laughs> which again, thanks to Brenda, she highlighted some really cool fun facts on who the street was named after. And believe it or not, the name of the man the street was named after is Sam Cooper. No. Yeah, it was. He didn't go by a celebrity name. Plot twist. He grew up in the Pinch District, graduated from Hume's High School in 1930, and shortly got a job at Humco. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, it was a vegetable oil processing plant and cottonseed refinery. So he climbed up the ladder to become vice president, and he was also vice president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Memphis. So this guy is pretty smart and motivated. He's doing pretty well. 
Mm-hmm. But his passion, believe it or not, was not in banking or being vice presidents. It was in uh, it was it in, was in making huh? streets. It was in making new streets in Memphis. Oh, close. All right, but no. It was in naming <laughs> streets in Memphis. No, no, good guess. Too. I don't even know what it is. What is it, Rebecca? Fundraising. Oh, and volunteer <laughs> service. He was a good guy. Those are him? much better pursuits. <laughs> yeah, he liked to fundraise and volunteer service. All right. So when St. Jude considered a move to St. Louis in 1985, uh, former Memphis Mayor Dick Hackett says Cooper was the first to call him with strategies for keeping the hospital in Memphis. So we can thank Sam Cooper for keeping St. Jude in Memphis. Wow, I didn't even know they thought about moving at some point. Mm -hmm. That would have been 1985, considered moving to St. Louis. And Sam Cooper was able to raise millions of dollars in public revenue to indirectly benefit St. Jude. And raise millions more privately. Wow. So I think he was able to help the surrounding area for St. Jude. So Hackett thought it fitting Dick Hackett, who was uh, the mayor, he's putting a poem on a street that connects Memphis east to west. He supported a cause that brought people together. Wow. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So. We, when we're driving out Sam Cooper, just know this is named after a good guy. He helped keep St. Jude here. Anyway, you can read more on the blog about Sam Cooper Street. But I have to say, because I was, I started with Cooper Street and then went hopped over to Sam Cooper as far as research goes. I wanted to know if there was a connection between, or what the connection was between Sam Cooper and William Cooper yeah. from Cooper Street. So I started researching the Coopers, and I came across a different Cooper <laughs> that has nothing to do with Memphis history or Memphis or typography. But I just, I found him fascinating. And if there's anybody that's a fan, you know exactly who I'm talking about. The name is Milton William Cooper, and he was born in California, May 6, 1943, and he died in Arizona, November 6, 2001. So he's not too, I mean, he died not too long ago. For those of you who are not me and Rebecca and can't see, I'm just like, I have no idea what she's talking about, and I'm just like, (laughs) cannot stop grinning because I just can't wait right now. (laughs) Well, you're going to know why I like this so much, and it's because... He's a conspiracy theorist. Ah! And he's also an author best known for his 1991 book called Behold a Pale Horse. So put that on your Amazon list. What? Your wish list. Yes. Okay, okay. Uh, Because inside of this book, you can find content such as him saying HIV AIDS was a man-made disease used to target blacks, Hispanics, and gay people, and that a cure was made before it was implemented. The purpose of it was to decrease the population of these people. So that's one one thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. In addition, he accused Dwight D. Eisenhower of negotiating a treaty with extraterrestrials and then established an inner circle of Illuminati to keep relations with them and also keep them secret from the general public. And you know how much I like aliens. I didn't, but... Yes. Oh. That if you put extraterrestrials in anything, I'm my ears are pert. So he also thinks that um john f kennedy i didn't write it down so forgive me if i'm getting the facts wrong uh, well they're not but facts JFK, First, not facts so it doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah all this other conspiracy theory theorist i'm gonna say it's probably not fact but except the alien part is that what you you want that to be true 
yes, there's always a possibility when you're talking about extraterrestrials that it's completely true. And I don't think all of his beliefs with the extraterrestrials are true, but he was in the Navy and he did, you know, document things that were happening with governments and aliens. And that's why a lot of his book are about the different presidents. And one of them is he thinks JFK was killed by the passenger of the car <laughs> because he was using a weapon from a, from extraterrestrials. And uh, I can't remember what kind of weapon it is, but, you know, the kind that you just, you can't imagine it could be real, but it is. And it's invisible? Yeah. Not exactly sure how it works. Wow. And it was because the government works with the extraterrestrials, which isn't a bad thing. I would work with them if they came to visit me. Have you seen Arrival? I just watched that two nights ago, Caitlin. I watched it uh, a week ago. No, I watched it last Saturday. Did you like it? I did. I have a lot of thoughts, but it had a lot of really good extraterrestrial activity in it. So I'm glad you've seen it. Oh, yeah. I won't talk about it because I don't want to spoiler alert. Yeah, we really can't discuss anything about it because it would, yeah, spoil. But, okay, did he sell a lot of books? Oh, good question. We should look that up. Can we look that up right now? Yeah. Yeah, Milton William Cooper. And the book is Behold a Pale Horse. Uh, you can get free shipping on uh, Amazon.com. Qualified orders. How many reviews does he have? Uh, he's got, oh, the cover is insane. Is a number one bestseller. What? In ancient and, and controversial knowledge. And he has 2,364 Goodreads reviews. Is that good? That's a lot, I guess. There's got to be this whole group of people that are into this thing. Like, I love conspiracy theories, but I don't believe them. There's an audiobook of this on Audible. Okay. Are you going to listen to it? No, I, I, I will not because they don't sponsor this podcast. Oh, right. And they sponsor like every other podcast. I mean, we haven't asked them. <laughs> That's right. I will, I will listen to audiobooks when they sponsor this podcast. <laughs> I don't know if I want Behold a Pale Horse to sponsor us. Not, no, not this, just the general audible. Oh. This is insane. I can't, oh, I'm going to. okay. <laughs> I don't want the Pale Horse. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Just um, checking. I could really go down the rabbit hole in this. Speaking of audiobooks and audio recordings, if you have a Memphis memory or if you know a weird Memphis story that you think we would be delighted to hear, please go to our website, memphistypehistory.com, and leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. We've got SpeakPipe on there. You can leave us a voicemail up to three minutes. You can find the link if you you know, want to know how to do it, and you're really super excited, go to our show notes for this episode, which are memphistypehistory.com slash cooper. Show notes, memphistypehistory.com slash cooper, and you'll find all the speak pipe info on there. And we would love to get a voicemail from you and share it on the podcast with everyone who loves Memphis history and Memphis type. And yeah, hope to hear from you soon. All right, well, that's Barbara Alley and some Cooper, General Cooper history. Mm-hmm. Rebecca and Caitlin signing off for today. We like your tape. 
You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind the scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Memphis Type History. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as Memphis Type History, and on Twitter at Memphis Type.